welcome to the Vale Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney is going all the way back to Genesis as we continue navigating the series, Church Was Never Like This. Join us in Genesis 37, verse 1, all the way through chapter 50, verse 26. At Vale Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. having a good week. I know it's been difficult over these few months, and I know that if you're like me, you just don't like change, right? And man, has my life been yanked around, right? It's just been so crazy, and um, it's, hard to f- it's, it's hard to find your way sometimes in this because you get... S- you, it, I believe you can get so easily distracted by the upheaval. And pretty soon you're finding yourself barking at things and bitter at things and uptight at things. And um, I think that God has something to say to us today as we draw the truth out of the text regarding that. I'll I'll be a little transparent. Um, um, I don't mind... But baseball started this week. Oh, so good. But I don't like it when the, they have the fake crowd cheering. I know. It just makes me so mad. I'm like, that's fake. Just don't pretend. And then, you know, they put the, the Dodgers, of course. They put those cardboard people in the seats, you know. That's so dumb. And, um, all right, but... Honestly, um, you know, I got kind of upset because baseball's been this bastion or this this sacred um, place where none of that whole kneeling stuff happened. It's the one sport where none of that happened, right? Baseball, like you stand, take your hat off, put your hand over your heart. And this year, just all political came loose, and, you know, there you go. So I got, uh, you know... It, um, some people are like, yeah, what are you, what are you all upset about? That's good, and then you know, then there's people like me who are like, no, that's terrible, and um, you know, so our world is so divided, right? It's just so divided, and I get it. And you know what? I feel like that the Lord really sat on me really hard this week about that, and um, I don't think I've been. Um, I don't know. I was at the point where, honestly, I was. I even said it to Linda. I was just speaking out loud. I'm like, I don't. I'm not even going to watch baseball, and I love baseball. I was ready to boycott. Have you been ready to boycott something lately? Come on, yeah. You're just like, no, I'm not doing that. You're going to act like that. Forget you. You know, I'm not going to. I went into. Uh, I was. I needed. I had a Skechers blowout. My tennis shoe just came apart. So I'm like, oh, man, here's a tennis shoe store. It was not Skechers. I mean, I don't know. I just had tennis shoe blew out. So I'm like, I'm going to go into Skechers. And, um, oh, I didn't have a mask. I don't know. I just started walking in there. I get like halfway in there. I'm looking at shoes. This lady comes up to me. She's like, hey, you got to put a mask on. I'm like, oh, I forgot. But there, there was, uh, that's like a one-acre building. I'm the only person in there. And I'm like, well, nobody's around. And like, nope, it's policy. And uh, 
oh, man, I got all fired up. I mean, I didn't yell at anybody or anything like that, but I'm like, I'm not buying any Skechers, you know, kind of thing. So uh, it just got all, but, but here's what I, 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 don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's good. I don't, I don't think it's good to act like that, be like that. I don't. And I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why. Not just my opinion. I'm going to draw the truth out of the text. And I think God is going to reveal to you why we can't be acting like this. I don't care what side you lean on, lean towards. I don't care where your political bents are, which way. I don't care who you vote for, who you're, and the flag, the anthem, the protest, the riot, the looting. The, I don't care where you fall in any of that, what you believe and what... I'm going to show you something that I think should change your heart, and it's changing my heart, and I don't like it. It's painful when your heart is changed. It's painful when the Lord gets a hold of you and teaches you some things. It is not easy. When God speaks into your life and you start recognizing it, it is not fun sometimes. It is difficult. Let me show you. I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. I'm going to teach the whole book of Genesis today. There's 50 chapters, so you better get ready. There's 50 chapters, all right? And once you turn to the book of Genesis, I'm going to help you walk through this. I'm going to let you, I, I think God is uh, going to see some things. And you're going to find out you probably know more than you think you do. I think that what's, what God is going to teach us through the entire book here, 50 chapters, God is orchestrating everything. We don't think he is. We don't live like he is. But God is orchestrating everything. Okay? Go to the end of the book, chapter 50. I'm going to pick up just two verses. Go to verse 19. Actually, I'm going to pick up three verses. Verse 19. Okay? And this is that... Joseph, this is the story of Joseph, and Joseph's in charge of tons of stuff, and Joseph's got brothers that have been really bad to him. They've been hateful to Joseph. I mean bad. Want to murder him. And Joseph's dad's dying, and now that the dad's out of the way, they are like, oh man, Joseph is going to kill us all because he can He's going to get rid of this. So they're begging him. They're on their knees going, Joseph, don't, don't kill us. Don't murder us. And look what Joseph says in verse 19. He says, but, but Joseph answered them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant to harm me. Underline the word meant. If you've got a Bible and you underline in stuff. Underline the word, you meant to harm me, but God intended, underline the word, intended it for a good purpose. So he could preserve the lives of many people, as you can see this day. So now, don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little children. Then he consoled them and he spoke kindly to them. And believe me, he did not have to. He did not have to. He's He's powerful. There's only one of the guys as powerful as him in, 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 in really the world at this time, and that's Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, hey, you're in charge of all this. So he could do it. So let me put this quote up here because here's the red dot in the middle of the target. Here's where we're going. Okay, you ready? 
God brings his own promises to the edge of craziness and failure. Think about that. God brings his own promises, the things he promises to do. He brings them. He does this all the time. He brings them to the edge of craziness and failure only to show that he's been in charge all along. Uh, if you don't believe that, it's okay. But here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how God, that's exactly what he says here. And I don't want it just to be me. I want to draw the truth out of the text. So I just want to take a moment, and I want to put the story of Joseph, because that's who we're going to talk about. I want to put it in context. I want to um, I, I show you how it works in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is amazing. And, and the part that I don't want you to get past to just yet is I don't want you to forget, all right, I don't want you to ever become numb. I don't want you to ever be insensitive or fail to be amazed that the Bible begins with a staggering, unbelievable reality that once there was nothing but God, and then, because of God's word, there was God and the universe. God created everything. God created everything in Genesis chapter 1, all of it. God the Father, the architect of all of it. God the Son, the creator who implements the plan. God the Holy Spirit who injects all the sovereign power of God into into it all and transforms us from the inside out. Then God, in in, in chapter 1, then God permitted And he permitted all of his creation. And in all of his permissions, and in all of um, what he has permitted, it's all done with foresight and wisdom and planning. He permitted his most amazing of all creatures, human beings, to become fools, to become wicked, to become belittling towards him. The all-providing, beautiful, infinitely valuable maker of the universe. He permits them to act as though they knew better than the all-wise, all-good God and what was good for them. And they spurn or they reject his word in Genesis chapter 3. And then God subjects the entire creation to futility and corruption and spiritual deadness. And every single human being since then, except one, has been under the sentence of death because of our sin and has been a child of wrath, Genesis chapter 2 through 3, Genesis 3. Flip over to Genesis chapter 6 because the story of the flood... And the Tower of Babel confirm the depths of human sin and make the good purposes of God for his creation look like they're impossible through Genesis chapter 11. And then begins the promises of God and this line of promises where we really start in chapter 12. Go to chapter 12, because God reaches down in in sovereign, unbelievable mercy and grace, and he chooses a guy, Abram, Abram, 
and he makes, making him the promise that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it says, all the families of the earth will bless one another by your name, Abram. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, go to 15, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord considered his response of faith as proof of genuine loyalty. That's where Abram swears allegiance to God by faith. And the foundation is laid for justification by faith through a promised redeemer who would come through the chosen people of Israel 2,000 years later named Jesus, Jesus Christ, right there. And the rest of the book of Genesis is the story of God making it clear again and again that his true children, his chosen ones, come into being as his true children and are preserved and are rescued and are saved by God's sovereign hand against all human odds. From the very beginning, it's made really clear to us the readers of all this story, that God is orchestrating the entire story. The sovereign God of the universe is orchestrating everything. How does that, how does that flesh out? Well, Abram becomes Abraham. Abraham's son, Isaac, is the son of the promise, not Ishmael. Remember, Ishmael is born through human works and human wisdom. But Isaac was born to a woman who could not give birth. It's a miracle child. He's a miracle child, Isaac. Just as all the children of God are miracle children. And Isaac's son then, Jacob, is the chosen seed. He's the beginning of all of this. Not Esau. Even though Esau is the older brother and by all human right would be the heir. But God had sovereignly decided the older will serve the younger in Genesis 25, verse 23. And Paul confirms all this in Romans chapter 9, verse 12. And then Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of the people of Israel. So we see God chooses a nation and he sets them apart to showcase the essence of who he is. And he puts together this entire system of 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob. Romans chapter 9, Paul, um, Paul says this. He says in verse 4 and 5, my fellow countrymen who are Israelites, that's the children of Israel, right? To them belong the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, by human descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. So, this is what Paul says there in a complicated way. He says, through these people would come the Messiah, Jesus 
who would bear the sins of all God's people and by his mercy use Israel and gather his elect from all the peoples of the world to be one new people of God, the bride of the Son of God, the church. That's the New Testament. And then will come the new creation in which they will live in God's presence where there is full satisfaction and joy forever. That's to come. Which means this. Here it comes. You ready? If, if Jacob's 12 sons, the 12 tribes through who the Savior of the world is to come, if they were destroyed, especially the tribe of Judah, God's plan for this creation would completely fail. Now, that's really profound when you let that set on you a little bit. So then, what we call the story of Joseph starts in chapter 37. Turn to chapter 37. Almost one-third of the book is devoted to this story of Joseph. It's the story of how God does not let this destruction or this fail happen. It's the story of how God himself brings, he brings his own people into life-threatening danger of extinction. He brings them into complete craziness, all while planning their unbelievable rescue. He brings his own promise to the edge of failure. Do you see that? Does that sound crazy to you? He brings his own promise right to the edge of failure, only to show that he's been in charge all along, planning a rescue that only he could pull off. Now that, that, just, that just blows my mind. Which leads us to Joseph's journey. Let's talk through Joseph's journey just a little bit. Let's, let's trace his journey, his story. His story is amazing. And then what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to let God interpret the story. And then I want to ask the question that I always do. What does this have to do with me? As the story begins in chapter 37, that's where you are. Joseph, the son of Jacob, he's 17 years old. So he's about your guys' age. He's only 17. Genesis 37, verse 2. That's where it starts. His father Jacob plays favorites. And treats Joseph better than his brothers. It sets up years of hatred. Not just, I don't like you. Hatred. I want to kill you. Hatred. Genesis 37 verse 4. All of his brothers. Every last one of them. He's got a lot of brothers. They all hate him. And they couldn't speak peacefully to them, the Bible says. Then Joseph had a dream that his brothers and his parents would be bowing down to him someday. And the and and text says, the scripture says, his brothers hated him even more in, in chapter 37, verse 5. <laughs> he opened up his big mouth and he got a little kind of puffy about it. Made it even worse. Ever do that when you're 17? How many of you are 17? 
Oh, yeah, I bet you do that all the time. You ever make it worse? Yeah. Okay. Don't do that. So one day when his brothers see him coming to them in the field, they resolve to kill him. Genesis 37, 18. See what you get? I want to kill you. Reuben is one of his brothers, rescues Joseph from their hand, and instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery, and he winds up in Egypt in Genesis 37, 36. Now, Joseph then is bought as a slave by a guy named Potiphar, who's wealthy, and God gives him success so that he becomes a trusted manager or overseer of the whole house of Potiphar. Genesis 39.5. But at the peak, at the pinnacle of his success, and the, and the top of his, you know, the peak of his righteousness, his goodness, in Genesis 39.10, Potiphar's wife slanders him, says false things about him, and accuses him of rape. And he's thrown into prison in Genesis 39.20. This is bad stuff. This is awful stuff. This is ugly stuff, right? Joseph is seriously struggling. That's my third point. Again, God gives Joseph favor and success with the prison warden. So he's thrown into prison now. He's God seems to have favor on him, and he puts Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, Genesis 39, 22. If you're in prison, and I guess if you're in charge, that's, that's actually really good. Then at the peak of his success, the pinnacle of his success, and the peak of his dream-interpreting power that God gives him, he can interpret dreams. He predicts that his fellow prisoner, Pharaoh's cupbearer, so the cupbearer is the guy who tastes the, you know, Taste the food and the drink just in case it's poisoned so the cupbearer would die and Pharaoh wouldn't. Well, that guy made the Pharaoh mad. The cupbearer's in prison. So Joseph predicts that, his, that this guy, that Pharaoh's cupbearer, is going to be restored to his place, his office, which he is. And then the cupbearer forgets Joseph for two years, Genesis 41 Verse 1, two years. You do this goodness for him. You interpret the dream and all this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he forgets him for two years. Man, Joseph cannot get a break. It's now been 13 years since the 17-year-old Joseph sold into slavery. Every time it looks like it's getting good and God's hand of blessing is on him, things get worse instead of better, and now he's 30 years old. Can you imagine being 30? Well, you're going to get there someday. And then you'll get even older than that. <laughs> I know. Okay. Pharaoh has a dream. So Pharaoh has a dream. He can't sleep. And his cupbearer remembers that Joseph can interpret dreams. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Pharaoh calls Joseph out of the prison and tells him his dream. Joseph says, hey, it's not with my power, but God will speak concerning the welfare of Pharaoh, Genesis 41, 16. So the dream is that there's going to be seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine spread out over the whole, whole area, the whole region, the whole land. 
including where Joseph's brothers live. Remember, he's got 12 brothers. So seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine. Now, which leads to point number four, God gives and God takes away. So the author, the writer of this makes it ultra clear by repeating it three times that this prosperity and this famine are the work of God, not just the nature of God. See, we get this confused sometimes. This is who God is. But, the, but this guy is pointing out, the author here is pointing out, this is the work of God, not just the nature of God. It's actually his work, all right? Genesis 41, 25. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Genesis 41, 28. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Genesis 41, 32. The doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is orchestrated by God and God is going to bring it about. So God is bringing this famine that threatens the existence of his chosen people. Remember, he chooses them. This is how I want to showcase the essence of who I am. I set you apart to reveal who I am. I'm using you. I set you aside. I'm doing all this. God brings this famine. It threatens this whole plan, the existence of his chosen people, all while laying this out over 22-year plan for rescuing his people from his own threatened destruction. It seems like God is messing with them. But it's 22 years because it's been 13 years since Joseph was sold into slavery when he now enters into Pharaoh's service as a kind of, he's like the prime minister now. He's in charge of everything except for Pharaoh. He's in charge of storing the food during the good years so that there's going to be provision during the famine years. So seven years of prosperity go by before the famine comes. Then two years into the famine, Joseph's brothers, they all come to Egypt because they're desperate for food. They're starving to death. That's 22 years. That's a long time. It's only been about four or five months, and I'm sick of this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? 22 years. So now, if I just kind of leave out a lot of these details, details are important, but if I just kind of get right to it, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers, and he sends for his father and all the 12 tribes of Israel, the chosen people of God, they move to Egypt now, where Joseph is. They're rescued from starvation. It's been 22 years, 22 years, and only now... Joseph can see what in the world, all of that loss, all of that slander, all of that loneliness, all of that suffering, all of that injustice, and all of that, what seems like it's pointless, all that pointless righteousness, now he can see what it's all about. Only now, 22 years. I was pretty impatient when I was 17. I didn't want to wait for everything. I, I, I didn't want to wait for anything. Had zero patience at 17. I didn't like waiting for dinner. 
But this brings us to this profound thing, right? God is orchestrating all of it. What are you talking about? Well, my first point here, Genesis 37. Look at Genesis 37. That's where we are, verses 5 through 11. Joseph has a dream before any of this happens. Before any of it happens, he has a dream. The second point here is Genesis 45, 7 through 8. Joseph interprets what God has been doing for the last 22 years. And then Genesis 50, finally we get here, Genesis 50, verses 19 and 20, look at it again now. I gave you the beginning, or the end at the beginning, look at what it says now. But Joseph answered them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? I'm not God. As for you, you meant, see how I made that red? You meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose, so he could preserve the lives of many people, as you can see this day. So now don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little children. Then he consoled them, and he spoke kindly to them. That would have been really hard for me. He got treated about as bad as it gets. I don't know if I'd have done it. I don't know if I've been doing it. Now, Here's the thing about this verse. It's the most misunderstood verse. I mean, there's a lot of misunderstood verses. We mess this verse up. Pastors mess this verse up all the time. All the time. There's a reason why I pointed it out in red. Don't make this mistake. Because when, if you make this mistake, you completely miss the point of the whole thing. One third of the book of Genesis is about this story. And you can mess it up right here in this verse. It does not say, here's what it does not say. You meant to harm me, but God used it for a good purpose. It doesn't say that. What does it say? You meant to harm me, but God intended it for a good purpose. Totally different things. Completely different things. The same word for meant is used in both cases. So the word meant and the word intended are interchangeable. They, they are the same exact word. Same exact word. It's just a richer way of saying it. And the word it refers to the same thing in both clauses. You meant to, you intended to, you planned to. My being sold to the Midianites, which was evil of you, you meant that. But God meant it. God intended it. God planned it. My being sold to the Midianites for a good purpose. See, we get this messed up. But we, if you mess this up, you're, it's like you're saying that God is surprised by the sins of his people. And so he scratches his head about how to use it for good. And that is not what he does. He's in charge of everything, everything in this story from the very beginning. He's in charge of all of it. He plans it. He predicts it in a dream. Then he governs it and oversees it for 22 years. Then he finishes it in a rescue of his people. God does that. And before you think, well... 
matter, is any of the rest of the Bible confirm that or say that? Look at Psalm 105. Psalm 105, 16 through 19. The psalmist writes, he says, he called down a famine upon the earth. He cut off all the food. That's he. That's God, capital H. He cut off all the food supply. He sent a man ahead of them. Joseph was sold as a servant. The shackles hurt his feet. His neck was placed in an iron collar until the time came, until the time when his prediction came true, the Lord's word proved him right. So Joseph's suffering, his adversity, being sent away from his family as a slave was God's doing. God did that. The, the, the regional, the, 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 the suffering that was caused by seven years of famine, God did that. The famine, God did that. People starving to death, God did that. That was God's doing. He puts the life of his people through testing, and he plans and he performs their salvation from his own doing. He does that. That's the story of Joseph. That's the story of the whole Bible and of your life as a child of God. So what does this have to do with me? Let's just get right to it. Because our salvation is accomplished through through the evil of sinful men as they killed the Son of God. Can we talk about Jesus just for a minute? How many times have I heard people praying for safety. Have you ever prayed for safety? I think you need to be careful about praying for safety. Because how many times has a terrible accident happened and nobody wants it to and 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 people are praying to be safe. And as I hear this story unfold, they start telling me about the amazing things that only God could do in the middle of all of that terrible accident. He, he was stabbed by this crazy piece of metal and it just, it went clear through his body and it missed his heart and his, all his vital organs by one millimeter. I mean, you should have, it was crazy. He hit his head in just a way that one more little whatever, it would have killed him. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere, and up drives this guy, and he's in this red pickup, and he's an EMT, and he's got all the experience on the... At the hospital, he has a rare blood type, and they, they happen to ha- just happen to have multiple bags full of this rare blood needed. God's hand was over all of this. And if I didn't know the story of Joseph, I might be asking myself, well, if God's hand was over all of this, why didn't he just prevent the accident in the first place? He could have done that. Why didn't God prevent Joseph from being sold into slavery? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he prevent the the slander of Potiphar's wife? It's terrible. Why didn't he prevent the cupbearer from forgetting Joseph for two years? 
man, I would have been mad at that guy. Two years because you just forgot? I mean, God didn't have to do it that way. Because God's way is to bring his people into difficulty, into hazard, into danger, into craziness. For his purpose, all while planning through all of that craziness, their rescue. This is God's answering prayer inside of what seems to be non-answers. Sometimes non-answers are God's answers. (laughs) Have you noticed that? God doesn't keep us from trouble and difficulty Craziness, viruses, or any other upheaval in the planet. He doesn't spare us of any of that. What does this have to do with me? Well, you got to go to Jesus now because it's so important because the life of Jesus is the story of Joseph. Did you, did, have you caught that? Have you seen that? The life of Jesus is the story of Joseph. It's like a, a, a mirror. And here's why it's so important to identify that. Number one, what's this got to do with me? Joseph's story is your story. You see, so many people are not going to want to hear what God has to say in the story of Joseph. But I think they're willing to hear your story. But here's the why. Many people don't want to believe that God governs the actions of sinful men, sinful people. Many people don't want to believe that. It's hard for people to believe that God is in control of sinful people and their actions. I don't know if communist China unleashed a virus on purpose or not. I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know if it escaped from some wet market and somebody ate a bat or something like that. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I don't know if it was just incompetency in a bio uh, lab somewhere and, you know, and it just, whoops, it got out. Oh, my gosh. I don't, I, I don't know what to believe. I think there was, no matter what, I feel like evil men have manipulated it since then. It's been ridiculous since then. Can you see the evil in all of this? It's been crazy, hasn't it? Complete evil just just turning the globe upside down. Lots of people don't want to believe that God governs the actions of sinful men. I even think that I'm in that category sometimes. Like the hateful actions of Joseph's brothers. They're not going to want to hear the Bible say that sinful selling of Joseph into slavery was in fact God sending Joseph for the very salvation of the very ones who sold him. If you don't think that God is in control of what has happened over this last number of months and he didn't unleash it, you're missing it. You're missing the whole thing. You missed all the truth. Because what do we need to show people? Right now, number two, if we reject the sovereignty 
over the sinful acts of men. And there has been some sinful acts. But God is sovereignly controlling that. Everything that you've been seeing and, and, and watching and experiencing, God has been deliberately sovereign over that. If we reject that, we reject God's work of salvation in Jesus. We reject God's sovereign act in the death of Jesus for sinful people like us. We totally reject it. Why? Because there's a key passage about the forces that brought Jesus to his death. The early church prayed this. Acts chapter 4, verse 27. For indeed, both Herod that's such a great verses, verses that point all this out, that bring this all together. Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together in this city against the holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do as much as your power and your plan had decided beforehand would happen. See, Herod's mockery, that guy was a tool. Pilate's spineless cowing to the crowds. The Gentile soldiers crowning Jesus with thorns and the crowds crying, crucify him. All of it was sinful. All of it was murderous. All of it was like Joseph's brothers. All of it was like Potiphar's wife and unjust years in prison in Egypt. And all of it was planned by God. Every last bit of it. You know what? Random evil does not save anybody. Random evil? This is not random. 700 years, factual, 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, verse 10, through the Lord, or though the Lord desired to crush him and make him ill, once restitution is made, he will see descendants and en enjoy long life. And the Lord's purpose will be accomplished through him, capital H, Jesus. What's this have to do with me? There's no gospel there's no salvation if god cannot in his perfect holiness govern the acts of sinful men bringing his son to the cross if god's not in charge of it it's just random the message of genesis like the life of joseph the death of jesus the whole bible is that God reigns in sovereign love over his people, bringing us into ridiculous craziness sometimes, hazard, danger, injustice, all while working our salvation from his own just suffering on the cross. How does God do it? I don't know. That's what makes him God. He has this unbelievable ability to use the most evil things in the world, the most ridiculous things in the world, the most terrible things in the world, he can use all of that to look out for your and my best interest and at the same time glorify himself. You only enter the kingdom of God through 
persecution. Luke says in Acts 14, 22, we must enter the kingdom of God through many persecutions, he says. The psalmist in Psalm 34, 19 says, the godly face many dangers, but the Lord saves them from each one of them. Satan, sinful men, meant it for evil. But God intends it for good. So I have had to start thinking, and it's humiliating in some ways, that all these things that I want to go, oh, this makes me so mad, and all these things that I want to boycott, all these things I just, I'm fed up with, and I'm, I'm just going, this is America. <laughs> Including the Skechers people, and, the, and all these people doing things that I don't agree with. I got to stop worrying about that. Because God is intending things with it. Have you been thinking about this lately? Would you like school to start? Would you like to just wring somebody's neck who keeps saying no school or this or that or we got to shut this down or what do we, is holding us all kind of in this place of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm getting so tired of that. Are you tired of that? Well, you, you need to stop being tired of it because God is intending it for good purposes, He's using it and he's asking us to be the church in the middle of all of this. And as much as you and I don't like it, maybe you'll like it, I don't know. But I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it, it I, I think it matters who you vote for and things like that. But whatever, whatever political bent you have, whatever views you've got about all kinds of stuff, Satan and sinful men mean them for evil, but God intends them for good, and God's in control of all of that. And he's doing something, I don't know what it is. And if it takes 22 years, you see how long it took for Joseph to know? 22 years it took him for him to go, oh, man, it's only been four or five months for me. I got to stop thinking like that. Got a little, got kind of preachy today. I get that way. I feel like when God is squeezing my heart to the point where it bleeds and it hurts. And when God's at work, that's what happens. And he's, I think he's shaking the church. I think he's shaking me. I think he's shaking us. I think he's shaking our nation and the globe. I think he's doing something. I think he intends something. I don't think I believe he intends something. And I think we need to sit up and pay attention and stop stiff-arming God. Start holding them at bay, and you need to stop saying this. When we get back to normal, this is not, we're not going back to normal. It's not going back that way. We're never going back. It's only going this way. It's only going forward. Quit hoping for it going back to the way it was. Quit praying for it to go back the way it was. You got to read the end. You got to read chapter 50. You got to read the end of the book. We're not going back. Why would you want to do that anyway? This is what God intends to happen. This is what he's doing. I already preached that. Thank you, God. Now, grab a hold of us, Lord. Bring us to our knees if we need to. Help us to embrace our mission, our purpose, our mandate to explain Jesus, to present the truth, the gospel. To love people 
to Jesus and help, help folks see in our own story how we're rescued and all this stuff. All this stuff is intended by you with good purpose in mind because you care and you love us and you want relationship with us. So thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.